The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. A few weeks ago, I don't think there was an Israeli and probably any Jew around the world who watched the story who didn't shed a tear that Thursday evening in April this year when the bones of Scharia Baumel were returned to our homeland 37 years after he was killed. Scharia Baumel was a Brooklyn Jewish boy, made Aliyah as a child, went to yeshiva, enlisted in the Israeli army, and fought in the Lebanon War of 1982. On the sixth day of the war, this 20-year-old young man died in battle together with 19 comrades who were all killed the same day in the famous Sultan, J- Sultan Yaakov battle, one of the most vicious and bloody battles. 20 of our boys were killed and 30 wounded. But Scharia Baumel went missing. His remains were not found. And for decades, his parents turned over the world to try to find him. In synagogues, they prayed for him. His father, Yonah, traveled the world. Diplomatic alliances and relations to try to influence anyone who would listen to help identify his son. There were even rumors how he may be alive or dead, but where is he? Is he there? What happened to his body? His father passed away 10 years ago. His father always said that before I die, I just want to know what happened to my son. He did not have that merit. He died 10 years ago. And then, just a few weeks ago, the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, called up Scharia's mother. She's 90 years old. And he told her that after two years of searching, Russia, under the leadership of President Vladimir Putin, found the remains of her son, Scharia Baumel, buried in a refugee camp not far from Damascus in Syria. Just before Pesach, they brought home the coffin and the remains of Baumel from Russia. Of course, the great question was, can we absolutely prove it's him? And they made sure to authenticate and to investigate with DNA and all the Fresenica evidence that they used. But as the body was returned, as the bones were returned, it was returned with something else. It was returned with a pair of tzitzis, which he was wearing when he was killed. Shoes, some of his personal belongings, his army pack. On April 7th, Thursday evening, there was a grand funeral, a levaya, where his comrades saluted him the last time as his coffin was lowered into Mount Herzl for his final resting in the Holy Land. President of Israel, President Rivlin, stood up and said, Shortly after you were drafted, you sent a note home to your parents, and you wrote, I'm fine, but looking at this battle, it doesn't seem I'm going to be home very soon. The President of Israel said it took 37 years, but now you're home. You have come home. His sister stood up at the funeral. And his sister, Asna, said, I remember you as a 20-year-old. You were killed. And today you're here. What am I supposed to tell you? I would love to give you a hug, but I can't. So I'm thinking of telling the earth to give you a hug. But then I realized I don't have to tell the earth to give you a hug. You sacrificed everything you had for this earth. 
for this land, for this people. You have become the closest you can be with this land and with this people. You gave up everything for it. The earth will certainly hug you. And she thanked Prime Minister Netanyahu for not forfeiting the opportunity of receiving the body, the remains of Scharia Baumel, Hashem Yinkim Damoy. This is what everybody saw. This is what everybody heard. The Kaddish was said. Scharia's remains were interred as the nation wiped a tear, representing the unique relationship that we have with every one of our children and each one of our soldiers, no matter where they are and no matter how long ago they have fallen in battle. But here is another part of the story that's not so known. This was shared by the chief rabbi of Tzfas, Rabbi Shmuel Eliyahu Shlita, the son of Rav Mardichai Eliyahu. And Rav Shmuel Eliyahu heard this from the family. The mother, the sister, he wondered what did she mean when she thanked Netanyahu for not forfeiting the opportunity. Which opportunity? And the family shared with Rav Eliyahu the following, that for many years in the family, we were very, very upset at Bibi Netanyahu. We carried a heavy grudge on him. Why? We felt that he and the leadership of Israel have not done enough to locate, discover the fate or the remains of Zechariah Baum. We felt that it was not on the top list of priorities, and we criticized him. We spoke negatively, harshly, and we felt very, very negative feelings towards him and towards his colleagues in the positions of power and influence. Just a few weeks ago, the family met, and we said to each other, you know, maybe we are judging somebody wrongly. Let's try to see it from his perspective. Maybe he does care. Maybe he would like to help us. But let's remember that Israel is a small, vulnerable country with 6.6 million Jews surrounded by enemies who are dying to annihilate it, surrounded by a country who swears that it will annihilate Israel. It has to face, sometimes in two days, 700 rockets coming on civilians. Political leaders are responsible for the security and safety of the country. Maybe the strategic needs of Israel, not maybe, we know, are very, very intense. And yes, maybe it's a priority, maybe it's not the priority, maybe he's doing whatever he can, but... You can't always accomplish things that you want to accomplish. And sometimes you have to choose between priorities. And maybe actually he has not behaved wrongly. He has not made false promises. And he has not been indifferent and apathetic. Maybe. Let's, let's look at him with a good eye, in a positive way. And the family embarked on this change of attitude. Two days later, Prime Minister Netanyahu calls up the mother and says, Russia has phoned us. They have your son's remains. The family goes to meet the Prime Minister. And he shares with them the story. As you know, he himself went to Russia to get the body and bring it back. And at that moment, Scharia's mother and sister say, Prime Minister, we want to share something with you. And they tell him what happened. They tell him what happened. And they say to him, for years, 
we had this horrible, horrible grudge that we carried against you. We resented you. We were frustrated by you. I said it was a few weeks before. I'm sorry. It was a few weeks before something else. But some time ago, some time ago, we decided to change our attitude. (laughs) We decided to change our attitude and think positively about you. (laughs) That's what happened. We just wanted to share it with you. And here you are with Sari Bomo's body, and they see that Tanyao gets very, very emotional. He's like, he's shaking, he's trembling. And his sister, Shaya's sister, says, what happened? He says, so let me tell you the other side of the story. Some time ago, we did something for Russia that was unbelievably great. We saved Russia from a crazy, insane terror attack. Behind the scenes, clandestine. We knew that Russia owes us a favor. The security cabinet met to contemplate when that moment comes and Russia is going to pay us back, what do we want? We made a list of 50 things, top strategic priorities. Scharia Baumel was not in that list. But 50 things we can't ask for. We narrowed the list down to three. What are the three biggest favors? we could use from a country like Russia. Time passed. I'm sitting with President Putin. And Putin turns to me and says, what you have done for us is extraordinary. Russia wants to do something for you. What do you want? What do you need? And Netanyahu says to Skaria's mother, I had the three things. I had it in my mind. I had it in my soul. The three things that we want from Russia. But I don't know why. Suddenly in front of my eyes, Skarya Baumel, Skarya Baumel. Syria is an ally of Russia. Russia helps Syria. Russia has funded and helps Assad. Baumel, our intelligence told us, is probably in Syria. But I'm thinking Skarya Baumel's remains are important. But these are three top security strategic interests of Russia. So I dismiss it from my mind. Putin is waiting for an answer, but I can't dismiss it from my mind. My gut tells me, ask for Skarya Baumel. So I turn to Putin and I say, President Putin, what I want is that you should find the remains of a soldier, Skarya Baumel, so we could bring him back to Israel and bury him there. So Putin looks at me and says, when was this boy killed? I say, 35 years ago. Putin looks at me and says, why do you care? 35 years ago, a soldier was killed. A soldier was killed. Why do you care? That's what you're asking for a favor in lieu of what you did for us? You saved the country from a crazy attack? I tell President Putin, I say, Mr. President, this is, this is what we're made of. This is who our people are. We cherish the body of every person, even after the soul has departed. We do whatever we can to bring it to a proper burial and a Jewish burial. This is what we are about. We will go to great, great length, the greatest of lengths, to obtain a body and bury it. Putin says, really? He says, yeah, this is what Jews do for thousands of years. Putin says, this is on me. This is on me. And everybody knows when Putin says it's on me, it's on him. And he's going to get it done. This is on me. Our troops will find Baumel and bring him to Israel. Netanyahu was sitting there. He's thinking, Oikewald, what did I just do? I'm going to come home. My advisors and the cabinet is going to say, Prime Minister, no, what do you get from Russia? 
a nice thing, but what am I going to do? He's thinking, what did I just do? And at that moment, President Putin looks at me and says, okay, this is not part of the cheshbon. <laughs> this is not part of the calculation. This is on me personally. Now tell me, what does Israel want? What does Israel want? And Putin says to him, a nation that has such a relationship with its children, this I have to respect. This I'm going to do. And now let Russia fulfill one of your desires that you would like in lieu of what you have done for us. And Putin sent Russian soldiers. They found a grave, and you have to know they were under fire from the rebellious forces in Syria. They came under fire. Some Russian soldiers were wounded in the process, but they found it. They brought him to burial in Israel. And Revelyao said, Mother told him, this meeting with Putin, which was two years before they found the body, happened indeed just a few days or a few weeks after the family decided to change their attitude. And it taught me something so powerful. We speak about ayin teva. We speak about a good eye. It's not some mystical, strange thing. It means living in a state of ge'ula. It means instead of feeling, I'm a victim, you hate me, you hate me, the world hates me, everybody's against us. Can you actually live, breathe redemption? Can you actually breathe with expansiveness? Can you actually live a divine life? Divine life is a life where you celebrate other people because you celebrate yourself. It's a life where you see the positive, where you accentuate the positive, where you bring out the positive, where you know that ultimately the whole world is one. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.